copying this for us. So these these are on our website. If if uh, anybody ever listens to them again, that'll be fine. <laughs> okay, I, I talked to you last week about Christos. Remember, we talked about the the word for Christ and how that uh, even in the fish uh, that you have a, a X, an English X, but that's a chi, and that's the first letter of Christ's title. Uh, so Christ begins with C-H to us, but it begins with an X in that language, and so we pronounce it Christos. Well, I want to talk to you about Yahweh today. That's the Y, and I want you to turn to Hebrew, or excuse me, Exodus 3.14, a verse that you will recognize when you see it. And I want to uh, talk to you about this name for God, but specifically how it relates to Jesus Christ. So these two lessons together, one on Christos and one on Yahweh, specifically the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh. And these will go, kind of go together because then we have two names for the Lord. But uh, this Old Testament description of Christ as the angel of Yahweh is what is very unique, and, and uh, uh, you probably know it, at least generally, but some of the details that we'll look at again today I think will be encouraging to you. Now, um, who wrote the book of Exodus? Moses. Okay. About when, date-wise? You remember that? Well, when was the Exodus? The, the whole wilderness wanderings, we put about 1445 to 1405, okay? So, you know, if Abraham lived in the 18 B.C.s, maybe a little earlier than that even, you had the generations, and then you have, uh, you have 400 years uh, in Egypt, and, and uh, we placed the, uh, the wilderness wanderings in those 40 years. So Moses wrote his books during that those days probably toward the end of it but genesis starts out when in the beginning right so he's describing he, he's writing in the 1400s bc but what he's describing what he's describing things long before that so in the beginning what's the next word god created and we have not only the word God, but we also have the word Lord or Jehovah in chapter 2 of Genesis. So you have to understand that Moses got these names up here in 1400 B.C. and described the beginning with those names. So even though we have the word Lord in the early chapters of Genesis... Moses didn't know that name until he went out to the backside of the desert and met God at the burning bush. So you remember that, that uh, episode. This is then just before the wilderness wanderings began, and God's going to introduce himself to Moses. And we have it, uh, the story in Exodus chapter 3. These are those early chapters where he's gone out to the desert and, and spends 40 years, by the way, out there. And uh, he's on the mountain, and uh, God appears uh, in this bush, and uh, he, he sees it, and he decides, you know, the burning bu the bush burned with fire, verse 2. But by the time we get to verse 14, God is speaking to Moses. 
And, uh, you know, for those of you ladies who like to take your shoes off during church, here's your, here's your support for that here where he had to remove his shoes, you know, in the presence of God. Okay, you can take your shoes off if you want. Uh, but he, he describes himself to Moses in verse 14. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Remember? And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, you're going to go back to Israel. You're going to bring my people out. They're going to say, why should we follow you? You know, uh, we're Israelites, children of God, Israel, children of God. And so why should we follow you? Because your God... Matter of fact, the, the God of Israel appeared to me and gave me this description. Now, w when you pronounce, uh, I, I, uh, I took Hebrew in school, but I'm a lot better with my Greek than a Hebrew. But, you know, we know these things generally. When you pronounce the, this word, Yahweh, and, and by the way, when you, when you read I am, you're saying in Hebrew, Yahweh. And it, and it literally is the to-be verb, I am. So, you know, when, when we learned in English, you know, I am, you are, he, she, and it is, you know, remember all the conjugations. So the first person singular, I am. And when you say that in Hebrew, you literally say Yahweh. So his name is I am. His name is Yahweh. Now, uh, the, our English, at least the older version, I, I, and I didn't double-check this with the various different translations I have, so maybe you, you have some, but the, the older King James, and I think the new King James does this too, helped us distinguish with some words. First of all, when you have the word God, G-O-D, that's Elohim. And remember, Elohim is actually a plural, remember? Uh, where we get a hint anyway that God is not just singular, but he's two or more uh, persons. And so Elohim is the word for God. But Yahweh is the word for Lord. And then we have a word Adonai, which is more the name for God as warrior. Well, what the English did for us is it helped us out by spelling the, uh, not spelling them different, but uh, writing them different. When it's Yahweh, you have capital letters. So look at that. That uh, uh, Let's see, down in verse 15 anyway, you see the word Lord there, the Lord God of your fathers. And you have, at least I have in my version, L-O-R-D in caps, right? When you see Lord with only a capital L but small O-R-D, then it's the word Adonai. At least this is, this is uh, the older version. Does anybody, does it, uh, with the word Lord in verse 15, is it, do you have it in any other way, in a different version? I, I, I'm not sure that they always do that. As a matter of fact, some versions may use Jehovah. Now, Jehovah is also an English word that translates Yahweh, but that's a German word. So when you're saying, when you're saying uh, Yahweh, you, you know how Germans change our Ys to Js? you know, and our V's to H's, or H's to V's. So Yahweh in German is Jehovah. And Martin Luther and others did that for us. So when they translated into German, which a lot of theology and a lot of biblical translations are in German, they like the word, uh, they like to spell it 
their way, that is Jehovah. Well, that's an English word to us too. We picked it up. So a lot of times we, we use the word Jehovah. But uh, in our English Bible, we usually don't have that word Jehovah. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure we have it. Do we? Um, but, we have, but we have Lord. We, we use the word Lord for that. Uh, but if you hear Jehovah in your ears, that's the same word, Yahweh, Lord, all from the same thing, okay? God is from Elohim. Uh, Adonai would be a capital L only. All right, so I tell you that so that because that's important here a little bit as we look at this and realize that when he says, I am that I am, and then you have down in verse 15, the Lord God of your fathers, uh, that's the same word. Lord then would be I am or Yahweh. I'm going to use the word Yahweh simply because I'm to the letter Y and I didn't know where to find a Y other <laughs> in my list other than this, so I'm using Yahweh, okay. But we're going to talk about the angel of the Lord. And uh, it, it's an interesting thing. You remember the, the expression, right, angel of the Lord. And you find it in the Old Testament, and we'll see in a few minutes. We don't find it in the New Testament except as an angel of the Lord. We actually don't find the angel of the Lord in the New Testament. So we have this angel of the Lord. Um, now, the proposition of this lesson is that this angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ pre-incarnated. Not well, pre-incarnate is a right word. Pre-existent is a word before creation, perhaps. Christ hasn't been incarnated into human flesh yet, right? That will happen at the conception of Mary. But Jesus Christ does appear in the Old Testament, and he appears as the angel of the Lord. So when you have... Yahweh here speaking, this is actually an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And we're going to see how this relates to the word God, to the word Lord, and, and so forth. Let me put one other footnote in here, and that is about the word angel. Uh, we're going to say later also, Jesus Christ was not an angel, though our Jehovah's Witness friends may think <laughs> that was so, is not. And so we have this also this little not a play on words, but a, a use of the word angel. Um, that word, me, angel, means a messenger, right? So an angel is a messenger from God. This is why some people who are not angels can be described as angels. Famously who? The pastors of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, under the angel of the church. So are the pastors really angels? <laughs> I've been trying to convince my wife of that forever, but she says no. Well, actually, we are angels in the sense of messengers, but not in the sense of, you know, th those created beings called angels. Um, the evangel has the word angel in it, E-V, and, and that's another place where we change the U to a V, uh, but Uangelion is good angel. So the evangel is good news. The gospel is good news because the news is the word angel there, the giver of the news, the messenger. And EU is always good. 
but we but the Germans changed it to EV. So we, so we so the good news comes from the word angel. So I'm saying, I'm I'm kind of emphasizing that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament isn't an actual angel, but a messenger from God. And this messenger that comes from God is actually Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament. Now, uh, let me, uh, I've got two things uh, in the beginning here too. One is I'm going to read you uh, four quotes from men that you will know to, to show you that this is, this is a, a well-known doctrine, but sometimes we don't make this connection or we don't talk about it uh, probably like we should. My old theology professor, Roland McCune, who, who started Detroit Seminary, by the way, Detroit Baptist Seminary, and he's retired now. He, is, he has a three-volume theology set. He says in there, the angel of the Lord or of Yahweh or of his presence or of the covenant is the Son of God proving Christ's deity and thus his preexistence. A little later he says, there is practical value to the doctrine of Christ's preexistence. For example, if the angel of the Lord really is Jesus Christ, then the Old Testament is full of Christ. He can be found in scores of contexts if only the reader has eyes to see him. So uh, do we have eyes? Charles Ryrie, whom you know that name, says... Uh, a, title, uh, a title, his identity as angel of Yahweh, period. Clearly, the angel of Yahweh is a self-manifestation of Yahweh, for he speaks as God, identifies himself with God, and claims to exercise prerogatives of God. Lewis Perry Schaefer, long time, 100 years ago, wrote one of the most compelling and indisputable proofs that Christ preexisted is found in the truth that he is the angel of Jehovah whose various appearances are recorded in the Old Testament. One more, uh, John Walvoord, whom you probably remember his name. Thus, when the angel of Jehovah is identified as Jehovah, it is a declaration of his deity. And the angel of Jehovah is distinguished from the Father in distinction to the Son. So, I, I just read that to, to remind you that this has been a long understood doctrine and uh, we use it, uh, as these men have in their theology books, to show that Christ wasn't created at his birth, or he didn't begin to exist at his birth, but he's always existed. Before creation, of course, he was eternal, but also before his birth, as we see in the Old Testament. Now, uh, Go back with me to Genesis 16, so you're close, and let's look at some verses and uh, come back up to, we'll lead back up to Exodus, but Genesis 16, you have the story of Hagar. You remember uh, that, that Hagar had uh, Abraham's uh, son Ishmael, and, and yet Hagar is sent away uh, out of the house. And verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. Okay? The angel of the Lord did. But look at verse 13 now. She called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also here looked after him hath seeth, that seeth me? So what does she call the angel of the Lord? God. As a matter of fact, it's the word Elohim now. So the angel of the Lord is God. 
Okay, let's stop and think about this for a minute because is, how is that? How is, if the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ, how is he God? Well, this is where also we understand God as Trinity in a proper way, and this also fits into that doctrine. As a matter of fact, if you don't have a doctrine of a Trinity, like Islam does not, for example, you really have a problem with these kinds of statements. Uh, how... Uh, someone who's identified as, as a separate person from God, yet identifies as God. Uh, remember, uh, th I remember this, this chart I always remember because in an old church up in St. Paul when I was in school up there, had this stained glass window at the back of the church, a big circle, circular window, and it was a picture of the Trinity. So it had God in the middle, and then it had a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three spokes off of, a, off of the hub of a wheel, and on the spoke, it said, God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. But on the rim, it had, is not. God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father, and so forth. So I always remember that, that stained glass window from that old church. And I've seen that chart in various different ways, lots of times. So what do we understand? that the angel of the Lord can be called God, even with the word Elohim, but without saying that there's no difference between God the Father and God the Son. Both are God, right? But God manifested in two persons. So God is God the Father. God is God the Son. But the two aren't the same, okay? That's our trinity. That's how we understand it. Okay, go to chapter 21. We're still in Genesis. Chapter 21 and, and, uh, and verse 17, and so uh, uh, here the story of Hagar continues, but verse 17 says, And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God, that is of Elohim, called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. And so in verse 19, and God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So here the angel of God is identified again as God. While you're that close, go to 22, probably just across the page, and verse 11. And notice the angel of the Lord, uh, this is when he's revealing himself to Isaac. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. So we have the angel of Yahweh, of the Lord, and said, Abraham, Abraham, uh, excuse me, it's Abraham, but Isaac uh, uh, and Abraham are on the mountain, uh, and he's going to sacrifice Isaac, of course, as a son. Abraham, Abraham, he says, he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do any harm unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. Well, notice verse 11, the angel of the Lord has appeared and called uh, unto Abraham, and now he's called God uh, in verse 12. So the angel of the Lord is identified as God, okay? Also down in verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, Jehovah or Yahweh, for because thou hast done this thing, hast thou not withheld thy son. So 
So again, we're seeing this angel of the Lord identified as God. Chapter 31, still in Genesis. Maybe you can mark these or put, uh, connect the verses somehow or something. In, uh, in chapter 31, and uh, here verse, uh, beginning in verse 11, and again, here, here's his conversation with Jacob. Verse 11 says, And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes and see, and all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring uh, streaks, speckled, grizzled. And I have seen all the, uh, that Laban hath done unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar. So the angel of Elohim again, the angel of God, of the Lord, is the God of, of Bethel. All right? Then skip all the way up to chapter 48 in Genesis. Chapter 48 and verse 15. Now Jacob is dying and he's blessing his sons, including Joseph. So verse 15 of 48 says, He blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads. So the angel which redeemed him is here identified with the God of Abraham and Isaac and now of Jacob. All right? Interesting, isn't it? Now, uh, go into Exodus. We'll, we'll have uh, three or four more verses is all. Um, back to chapter 3 again, where we started, where we identified uh, Moses understanding who Jehovah is, who Yahweh is. But go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter, and in, in verse 1, he's with the flock of uh, Jethro, and he comes to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and verse 2 says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. You know, uh, it's just kind of natural for us to think God spoke to Moses in the burning bush on Mount Horeb. But we don't often stop to think, yes, God did, but in the person of the angel of the Lord, who is being identified as deity. Okay? And so you go down to verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, said, here am I. And so again, no problem with inspired writing uh, saying angel of the Lord, angel of God. Uh, the angel of the Lord is Jehovah. The angel of the Lord is God. Uh, no problem at all. Maybe a problem with us figuring out the Trinity and how they relate to one another, but no problem in the inspired text to do this kind of thing. Again, in verse 6, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Same thing that Jacob had said when he, when he was dying. Verse 11, Moses said unto God, who am I? You know, and, and what am I going to say? And so, again, uh, in verse 14, he gives him, the name that he's going to use when he goes back to Israel. You'll, you'll say this, Yahweh. You'll say, I am that I am. And what a good name, right, for, uh, for God being eternal. I am. I just, I am. 
you know, there's an incident in Christ's life when he was uh, taken in the garden, of, uh, and in John, John records this. They come to take him in the garden and arrest him, and remember they brought soldiers, and Jesus says to them, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus, and he said, I, it literally in Greek, it's I, I am. Two words, I, and then the to be verb in Greek, uh, I am. And when he said that, all of these soldiers with their armor and with their spears and everything fall backwards on the ground. Amazing. He says, I, I am, and they fall down <laughs> and get back up, you know. Uh, was he saying to them, you're about to come and take the very I am to the cross and crucify him? So interesting usage then in the New Testament. Um, chapter Exodus, chapter 13, real quick. And... Uh, And verse 21, uh, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong, wrong verse myself, okay, uh, 1321, uh, wh what is it that followed Israel through the desert by day and by night? Yeah, cloud by day, fire by night, right? So verse 21 says, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. Now, the Lord did. Yahweh did. He's their God now. He's, this is the God of Israel. All right? But uh, in chapter 14, we have the crossing of the Red Sea. And so you remember in the crossing of the Red Sea, they come to the sea. They're kind of stuck, and the Egyptians are coming up behind them, and there's nowhere to go. And so, of course, God opens the sea up, and they begin to cross the sea. Well, the, the Egyptian army needs to be held up for a while, so this cloud goes around behind the congregation and uh, stays there to hold off the Egyptians so that they can't uh, come after them until Israel gets across. Well, verse 19 of chapter 4. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. So now the, the cloud goes behind. And skip over to uh, uh, verse, uh, well, 24. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Now, folks, if I were looking into a cloud standing in front of me and all of a sudden the face of Jehovah <laughs> is in this cloud, uh, I would be a little frightened too. As a matter of fact, I don't know why I'd go any farther into this sea if I saw that. But it says it took off... Uh, their chariot wheels that they might drove them heavily that the, uh, so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And so here is uh, the angel of the Lord, the angel of God uh, looking at these Egyptians through this cloud. And by the way, then the, the fire and the cloud followed Egypt 
uh, Egypt, followed Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. And, uh, you know, it, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that the rock that followed them was Christ. And maybe this is what he meant by that in the sense that Christ was following the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. And how did he do it? As a manifestation of the angel of the Lord in the, uh, the cloud by day and the fire by night. Okay? Uh, one other, uh, tw 23, we're in Exodus 23 and, uh, and verse 20. This is when now they're out in the wilderness. They've gone past Sinai. They're traveling. God's going to send them into the land, but he's going to help them as they go into the land. Verse 20 says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. And verse 22 and 3, If thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries, for mine angel shall go before thee. So again, the angel of Jehovah, in whose name is God, Yahweh, will go before them and fight for them in the land. If I had one more verse, and you don't have to turn there, but... but Maybe you'd like to. You remember in Acts 7, Stephen is being stoned. Stephen is the first martyr. And he's recounting all of the Old Testament history, which is a very typical Hebrew-type sermon. So he's going through all the history. And he gets to this part of it, and in Acts 7, verse 30, it says, And when the 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. And when Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight as he drew near to behold it. The voice of the Lord came unto him and said, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And so, again, this angel of the Lord is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. So, um, we only... We only touched on some of the verses, of course. The, these verses are all throughout the Old Testament. That's why the one writer said, you know, uh, the Old Testament is full of these appearances of Jesus Christ, if we have eyes to see them. Now, I, I want to I say five things then, and, and we'll kind of show a, a verse with each of these that have to do with this that we ought to remember. Number one, uh, only... Only the second person of the Trinity ever takes a human form. And so if this angel of the Lord is taking a human form that people can see, he must be the second person of the Trinity, not God the Father, not God the Holy Spirit, is my, is my point. So, uh, John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time, right? So if they saw the angel of the Lord, had they seen God? Is John wrong about that? Or Colossians, uh, Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. So, uh, so he's invisible. You don't see him. And, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, would, would be the same uh, as that. He, he appeared, we saw uh, an appearance like a dove, but never in a human appearance did you ever see the Holy Spirit. 
So that's one kind of thing we learn from this and why this angel of the Lord is uh, Jesus Christ. Secondly, the angel of the Lord that we, that we find in the Old Testament uh, does not appear again after Christ's incarnation. So though he is an appearance of Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, once Jesus Christ is incarnated, then he has that body forever, whether on this earth or resurrected, but never again as the angel of the Lord. Now, I do want you to look at a couple verses, though, uh, that have to do with that just by way of clarification. One is in, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 19, uh, 13 and 19. Matthew 2 this is a story, of course, of Mary and Joseph and so forth. And I want you to see verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, I just said to you, <laughs> the, we don't have, again, the angel of the Lord after the, the conception and incarnation, exception of birth in this case. Um, go down to verse 19 also and read that with me but when herod was dead behold what's that next little word an angel of the lord now i, I know you can handle this so you're not alarmed by these kinds of things but back up in verse 13 where you have the angel of the lord the definite article t-h-e is just not there in the original language so that's, a translator does that because an angel has been talking with Joseph. What, who is, what's the angel or who is the angel that's talking with Joseph? The angel that's talking with him. See the difference? Not the angel of the Lord, but the angel that comes from the Lord that's talking with him. So the translators do it that way. But, but the New Testament is careful uh, in the original language, not to have that article there. So actually, in the original language, it appears in verse 13 exactly as it appears in verse 19, an angel of the Lord. And only by translation would we say, well, which angel was it? Well, the angel that was talking with it and put in the word the, okay? So uh, why is that important? It's important, uh, by the way, um, I had one other reference, a similar type of thing. In Acts 5.19, let me see why I had that. Uh, yeah, the same, you have the same situation in Acts 5.19 with the definite article, the, which is in our English but is not in the Greek. All right. Now, that's important simply because it, it, it tells us even more emphatically, that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament must be Jesus Christ because once Jesus Christ took a permanent body, no more angel of the Lord. And besides, remember, he wasn't an angel. As a matter of fact, let me give you, I'm going on giving you five statements here. So that's statement number two. Statement number three, the angel is Jehovah, okay? So this angel of the Lord is Jehovah. And Jehovah is the second person of the Godhead, okay? Yahweh. Number four. Oh, oh I know what I wanted to, uh, before I leave that point. Go back. Zechariah is the third book from the end of the Old Testament. So uh, Zechariah, Haggai, or, or it's, uh, excuse me, it's the second book. So, uh, is, 
before Malachi, so you can find Malachi easily. Go to Zechariah and chapter 1. And here's an interesting conversation going on. Verse 12 of, of Zechariah 1, Then the angel of the Lord, now we're in the Old Testament again, the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, now, isn't this interesting? Here's the Lord speaking to the Lord. The angel of the Lord speaks to the Lord of hosts. Uh, the Lord of hosts then would refer in this sense to God the Father because God the Father can also be called Lord, of course. And uh, uh, the Lord Sabaoth is not the Lord of the Sabbath, but the Lord of hosts, which means the angel host. He's the Lord of the angel hosts. Isn't it interesting that we have this conversation between the angel of the Lord and the Lord? <laughs> so again, how do you understand that or how do, you, how do you deal with that unless you understand the Trinity and the relationship that the Trinity has with one another? And once we do, these things are no problem at all. So uh, though he's not, he's not the Lord, he is the Lord, and we can handle that. All right, uh, statement number four. Uh, the angel of the Lord cannot be the Father uh, or the Spirit. I, I, maybe I've said enough about that. Uh, the Father or the Spirit do not take on human form. Uh, this angel does, uh, and yet he's the second person of the Godhead, not the Father or the Spirit. And then lastly, the angel of the Lord is not an angel. And so I think I've, answered, I've said that also. Uh, look at Hebrews 1 real quickly. And uh, I, here, here's a chapter you ought to memorize. I've memorized this chapter because it's so beautiful. And the whole Hebrews chapter 1 is a statement about why Jesus Christ is not an angel, but rather the God of all eternity. And so the first three verses, God, you know, who at sundry times in verse manner spake in time past unto the Father, so forth, hath in these last days, verse 2, spoken unto us by his Son. That is, God became incarnated. He became the Son. Verse 4, well, the end of verse 3, he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high. But verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance or obtained a more excellent name than they, unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, he shall be to a son. And again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he saith, Let all the angels of God worship him. He would never do that to another angel. Of the angels, he says, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire, but unto the son he saith. He may have said all of that to angels, but what did he say to the son? Verse 8, Thy throne what? O God. Not God the Father, but deity, the second person of the Trinity. So God the Father says to God the Son, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. And when he gets done, he's, he's quoting Psalms all through this, by the way. He gets down to verse 10, and secondly, he says to the Son, Thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. And again, in... Uh, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 102, that would be thou, Yahweh. To us, it's Lord. 
And by the way, you notice that in the New Testament, we don't, we have no distinction with capital letters or small. So in the New Testament, we always have capital L, small O-R-D, because we don't have the the distinction between Yahweh and Adonai anymore. The Lord is the Lord. He's Jehovah God. All right, so... um, one other little footnote I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on here just at the end of, of this lesson is um, something reminded me the other day, or, or this week actually, as I was thinking about these things, about Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, you know, I always try to say our friends. <laughs> if you have Jehovah's Witness friends, you may have Catholic friends, you may have Mormon friends, I don't know. I have Jehovah's Witness friends, maybe you do. But boy, are they wrong on the doctrine of Christ. Matter of fact, so wrong that there's no salvation in their doctrine of Christ. But one of the key doctrines of the Jehovah's Witnesses, begun, by the way, uh, by Charles Taz Russell, who lived from 1852 to 1916, so it's not like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's pretty recent, like a lot of cults are, very recent. He, He taught, and they believe this, that God created, God is single. God is not a trinity. Islam says the same thing. You can't, we don't have three gods. We're not polytheists. There's only one God. So God is not a trinity. So God created all things, and he created Michael the archangel. And Michael the archangel did what we would attribute to Jesus Christ. That is, he created the rest of the world. And so Michael is an angel that existed in the Old Testament that God created, who created the rest of the world. When Jesus was born, Michael ceased to exist, and Jesus Christ existed. And Jesus Christ became, took the place of Michael, it's kind of like Michael incarnated. So Jesus Christ was never God in the flesh, but was, but was uh, the incarnation of Michael, the archangel. Now, when Jesus lived his life and died, Jesus Christ ceased to exist, and now the resurrected Christ is actually a reincarnated, uh, not reincarnated, that's, that's the wrong word, but, but uh, is Michael brought back in spirit form again. Isn't that crazy? And not only that, but then... He invisibly returned to the earth in 1914. <laughs> so we've been in this kingdom of the Lord's, who is really Michael, since 1914. Aren't you glad? We're in the, you know, imagine the 20th century with all the wars and everything else being called the kingdom of God. But here we are. Um, and so uh, John Ankerberg, in his book on cults, quotes J.R. Manti in a long, art, long article Manti does on Jehovah's Witnesses. And toward the end, Manti says this, the Watchtower Society doctrine of Jesus Christ logically denies the deity, immutability, sovereignty, eternity, birth as the Messiah, bodily resurrection, kingdom prior to uh, 1914, physical return, and even his very existence. Yet, In their door-to-door witnessing, Jehovah's Witnesses have told hundreds of millions of people, quote, we believe in the biblical Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. (laughs) Well, you you can use his name if you want, and you can say we believe in him, 
But this is why, folks, it's not just enough in our world for somebody to say, well, I believe in God, or I believe in Jesus Christ. Who knows what people mean by these kinds of things in our generation? And our generation's worse than 100 years ago when Russell, you know, uh, proposed all these things. And so always have to check out uh, who it is uh, that they're talking about, even though they use the same names. But I, I only added that at the end to kind of distinguish their doctrine from what I've been talking about with the angel of the Lord, because we're saying the angel of the Lord was pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament, and then he doesn't appear again after his birth. So our doctrine is not at all Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Don't let anyone ever, you know, try to equate those two it was my point for doing that all right let's uh let's end there and let's have prayer father we thank you for the things that we have rehearsed today uh what a what a blessing what confidence and joy we have in thinking that our lord jesus christ existed eternally god the father god the son god the holy spirit and here appeared to Israel multiple times and helped them and was their protector. And we thank you for that, Father. And so we thank you also that you saw fit uh, to speak in these last days unto us by your Son. And we have salvation through him. So thank you for these things. Uh, embed them into our minds and hearts. Help us to have confidence in these things and be good witnesses for Christ because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you.